and welcome to What the Tech from Ghost AI, where we talk with some of the brilliant minds behind new and exciting tech initiatives to learn what it takes to tackle technological uncertainty and eventually change the world. Today, I'm thrilled to welcome Eric Simmons to the show, who is the CEO and co-founder of Workwolf and is a force in the Toronto startup scene. At Workwolf, Eric's team has developed a hiring software that finds, screens, and validates quality candidates better than humans can. Using proprietary technology to screen and verify backgrounds, the platform automates the recruitment process, bringing unmatched efficiencies to the employment market. But Eric has been driving innovation in Canada for more than a decade, having founded his first eight-figure company in 2011 with the healthcare staffing firm Magnus, which has since partnered with the Canadian government and hundreds of customers across North America. So it's safe to say that Eric not only understands the tech and talent ecosystem in Canada, but has played a hand in steering it over the course of his career. I'll leave it to Eric to share the details and give his take on the state of startups, what it takes to make it as an entrepreneur, and the incredible work that has gone into building his businesses. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Eric. Thanks for having me, man. What an intro. Awesome. Yeah, ran out of breath giving it, but hopefully <laughs> I captured everything. I did want to leave some of it to you, though. So, Eric, sure. let's lead in. Tell me about yourself. I'd love to know the Genesis story. I ran through some of your bona fides in that intro there, but I know there is a lot more to it than that. I got into the recruitment business by fluke, and that's usually how people get into it. I took a bit of a stint from the medical space. I got into medical sales and pharmaceuticals right out of school and then pursued a passion and a career in music for about five, six years. And did that professionally for a while. And then I was like, I was very broke, very hungover all the time. Didn't make any money, didn't see a long-term perspective. I mean, there were people, I was 25 at the time, there were people that were 40 and gigging still. And I'm like, I don't see myself in that position. And those guys are more talented than I am. So my destiny here is not pretty good. I decided to head back into medical sales and I met with a bunch of recruiters and they all wanted me to, to start with them. I had good selling skills and I had a good understanding of sciences and that's that's where it started. Four and a half years later, after working with one of the firms, I was pretty ambitious back then. I wanted to be a partner. I was a top performer. You know, It was a carrot that they dangled that never really was in their plan. So I went out and started Magnus in 2011. Um, very humble beginnings, you know, two guys above a, a movie theater, 90 square foot office sharing one desk. You know, now that company, uh, I guess it's 12 years later, you know, 60, 60 million a year in revenue with incredible profitability, about 20 million a year in profit. And really opened up my eyes to the challenges in, in recruitment. And that's that's the genesis of Workwolf because I, I saw there was a really big problem with how my recruiters and how my customers were going through the process of onboarding and hiring. And they were using really all they had, which was the resume, which hasn't been really changed for the last 70 years. It's self-proclaimed and unvalidated and social profiles, right? Which again, have no governing authenticity or authenticators associated with them. So you can put whatever you want out there and that's your story and it's inaccurate. So the data on resume inaccuracy or embellishment is staggering. More than half of them are not accurate. And that's the main data source that employers and recruiters use, right? So it's no wonder there's a talent crisis. My objective when I founded the company close to five years ago was to solve the data problem, add prediction analytics and machine learning tools that could predict performance. And then the other piece was to create a new resume, hopefully a gold standard that is verifiable in real time, pulls, pulls credentials and verification from the sources that enterprise use today, which are background checkers, and then maintain it in a way that disintermediates the siloed parties, like the recruiters that have the data or the background checkers that hold the data and keep it with the person. The challenge with that is that until we patented this tech, 
there's really no way to pull the data source. If you were to get a background check directly from the, the person applying for the job, you're like, well, how do I know it's true? Well, our technology renders that information once it's pulled from the verification source, it renders it tamper-proof. And it's far more secure than existing mechanisms, which are, I'll send you a copy of my license via email, or I'll text you a picture of my passport. Here's a photocopy of my academic degree that could be easily tampered with. So we now have that information stored with the individual. So so the center of gravity switches from these third parties to the actual job seeker and, or the professional, and they can grant, deny, or revoke access to their digital work passport. And that is the, the second proprietary technology that we built. I guess that's it. Nana Cho. That is amazing. Yeah. So I'm even thinking back to when I first started applying for jobs out of school. The first thought that came to mind, I'm like, who's going to verify that I actually got this degree? I'm sure they're going to call the school, but I'm like... They're just happy to see, oh, I got the right degree for the right skill set and the credentials on there. Who takes it forward? Who verifies that? Now, this is 10, 15 years ago when I was a newbie. And obviously, the internet has matured then. And there's a lot lot more avenues to kind of do that background checking. But going way back to your Genesis story, too, at some point, I'm going to hit you up for a recording of that music you were doing when you had that first career. I love hearing about how the backgrounds of a lot of the most successful startup founders are so unconventional. It usually goes with, all right, I did go into the big company and I realized I don't want to do it. So I started my own business. But I'm finding in these interviews that we've been doing a lot more, it's just like, I found myself in this field, I identified a big problem. I didn't know I'd find myself in this field, but the problem was so glaring and I could figure out the solution. I feel like that kind of resonates with the path that you've zeroed in on. And I know that you mentioned some of the big problem about using the CV in general with sourcing talent, but you started in the medical space. Could you speak a little bit to me about what the acute challenges were there in terms of not only validating CVs, but just finding the right talent for the medical community specifically. Yeah, sure. So a lot of our, we have out of the box machine learning algorithms that can predict performance in 64 different positions. And so that includes uh, a healthcare provider or caregiver, and that includes, let's say a high performance competitive sales benchmark that we use. The challenges within my industry specifically, so if I look at contract healthcare workers. It's particularly important. I want to liken this to a Nexus pass or a TSA pre-approved traveler, right? These are trusted travelers. So they've been pre-approved by governing bodies to say, hey, these guys don't have to wait in line. They're pre-validated and we maintain that validation on them and, and recheck with them to make sure that their status stays good. So the digital work passport is the same thing, but for employers. And so our technology initially will pull resumes like a normal one would. So WorkWolf is partnered with 100 plus job boards. So our customers will come in, they'll post a job as they would normally. It pushes out to the, the job boards and they get their 250 applicants or so. Let's say it's 200 applicants for ease of numbers. Our adoption rate for the applicants to take the pack finder is about 85%. So you get 170 of these new data sources, like basically personality or personas that can be quantified. And then we take those numbers and we run it through our filter. And then the employer can use custom benchmarks where they'll have their top performers within their organization do the pack finder. And then they can use their best in class performance for a specific job at that time in history to be able to benchmark new performers against. And what that filter does is in less than a second, it'll take those 170 resumes and say, here are the 10 that you need to focus on based on either your best in class or the, the out of the box. So that's really good for 
things like customer service or for sales, competitive sales, key account management. We have construction companies using us for like roofers in terms of their best roofers. And it has to do with like motivational profile, et cetera. But in healthcare, in contract, let's say travel nursing, it is super important because there, and you hear about it all the time, where people falsifying their, their licenses or their degrees, and they're working in a healthcare setting where it's life or death, particularly at bedside and long-term care, and they don't have the qualifications, right? And also the background checkers that these companies are using are supposed to be validating this, this information every time they change a contract which can be every month or three months or six months. So what our technology does is it'll pull those licenses, tether the individual or the recruiter or the employer to the validation sources. So if they ever need to refresh that information, they just press one button and it can pull the data again and it'll refresh that information. So you have this kind of live network of veracity or truthfulness that is, again, the center of gravity is the individual. So let's say a nurse goes on contract for a month to one facility, and then she goes to another facility. That facility has to go through the traditional background checking process. It'll take two weeks. Now, these people are needed urgently, right? So they need to go in within 48 hours. So what they usually do is they put them in and then they'll do the check at the same time, but it takes two weeks to get the information back. That's a very dangerous place to play in those two weeks before you get the actual information back, right? So now what our technology does is it allows the nurses to have that information on hand and be able to share that information with the new employer in real time. If the employer wants to update anything, they just provide a credential credit to the individual and it pulls back into the individual's digital work passport. And because the employer or recruiter paid for that verification, they have access to that information for 30 days. The individual can revoke that information if they want to, or they can leave it with the employer, right? So it's really the, the control and the data is with the owner at all times. One more thing here that's important is you have two types of credentials. You have a static credential and a dynamic credential. And so the static credential would be the things that never need to be checked again. So that would be like if you have a degree, you have a degree, right? You got that back in 2000. What's interesting is now that never needs to be validated again because it remains within this digital work passport. The things that are dynamic, those are the things like criminal background check or let's say a social media poll, right? Which will check 100,000 different databases to see if anything, if there's any kind of black flags that need to be recognized. Vulnerable sector check, tuberculosis vaccinations or vaccinations for these nurses, right? Those things need to be updated. So as dynamic credentials, they don't have to go through the whole process of getting the background checker to do it again. They just press the, the refresh button and it'll pull that information again. So you've got this combination of you can update it with new info or you can have this ever-growing repository where you have, have your data stored. That is Incredible. So I love the way you put to live network of veracity. Mm -hmm. And I really clung to at the beginning when you had mentioned the Nexus Pass. I've been traveling to Canada more in the past two months than I ever thought I would for my career. And it's been a dream. But I've always been wondering, I'm like, how are they getting all these connections together. And to that point, I'd love to know a little bit more about kind of the R&D that has gone behind WorkWolf. Even just when you're listing the different sectors, the dependabilities and the dependencies and the integrations you need to bake into the platform to get all that information in one place and to have that live network of veracity. Could you speak a little bit to the process of building that platform and getting it to where it is today? If you're willing to go into it, talk about how you've leveraged that R&D work for Shred, if that's something that you guys have tapped into in the past. 
Yeah, sure. I'd be happy to. And the government has been amazing in terms of supporting research and development for Canadian startups. So our name before we rebranded to WorkWolf was blockable because our initial research was based on the democratization of these records, leveraging a ledger, a distributed ledger. And we did a lot of research on that on a public ledger to see if that was actually something that would work. We looked at reducing latency and costs associated with public ledgers and with the security associated with personal identifiable information within that public ledger. And there was a ton of challenges with that. We spent a lot of time before we actually started commercializing this, trying to figure out if there was a true blockchain play for us to make this thing work and make a commercializable product with a true blockchain play. And the answer was, it was, we couldn't do it. So we spent a year and a half or so and spoke to some of the, like the brightest people in the world with that technology and it came up short. We needed to revamp our model and make the, the permission ledger, the blockchain component of our technology, a very small piece of our technology. It's, you know, probably 5% of our stack, but it still does what it's supposed to do is in terms of accessing the information and tracking when that information is deployed or revoked. That's really all we use it for. We used an agency similar to Boast initially. This was long before we even knew a Boast. Probably we started in 2017 with Thread. We probably have received close to a million dollars in Thread financing over the last five years. Now that we're kind of in the commercial seat and the R&D that we're looking to, I mean, we're speaking to the folks at Boast to see if there's further nailing down our product market fit and getting our 1 million AR target this year. And so we don't have a lot of time to kind of put the brains behind R&D, but we'll get back to it. You know, it was like three years of R&D and, and crunch and build. And now it's like sell, sell, sell. And then it'll be like innovate, innovate, right? That's kind of how it works for us at least. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. No, and that's so cool. I really appreciate too how you were talking about the blockchain component and how you scaled back on it when you realized it wasn't going to be a huge fit and you didn't want that to be the central portion of the product. You focused on getting that problem solved and getting the solution out there. And honestly, yeah, even if it means a huge market pivot, that's still shreddable research. It's exciting that you guys were able to capitalize on that. And even if it wasn't with Boast, it's awesome to hear how supportive the CRA in Canada is of Canada's companies. Again, they're in the business of really supporting this homegrown innovation. So yep. it's awesome to hear when it's gone into a place where it's actioned upon, where you're going to market, sure, you're still figuring out that fit, but there is a meaningful platform here and it's going to definitely, definitely find its users. So that is so cool to see. I'd love to know, kind of broadening it out a little bit. You're a founder. You have been in this ecosystem for a bit. You're very tuned into the talent community on the one hand. Could you tell me a little bit about maybe four other founders who would be listening today? What's your current take on the state of startups, whether in Canada, North America, broadly, globally? I think with tech specifically. So my other business was a service business. So it's like the harder you work, the more money you make, right? And tech is kind of different than that. It's like the harder you work, the more money you burn, right? Because you got to buy more, you got to get more people. This is before commercialization. So we commercialized in late 2021 and we're not profitable yet, but we certainly are making money. And we certainly have customers that love what it is we we do for their employment process. But I'd say, you know, challenges, it's really knowing what to do at, at each step of the way. A lot of times entrepreneurs will put their head down and say, I can do it on my own. And a lot of times you have to. And a lot of times people will give you bad advice when you're kind of in a new realm, right? It's, you know, getting advisors or getting people who have done it before you and are successful, believing in what it is you do and, and supporting you in terms of mentorship. That's really important. And there's a lot of quasi incubators and then there's your legit ones, right? And then there's ones, I'd say if somebody wants to introduce you to investors or if 
you're looking to pitch, don't ever pay to pitch, right? I mean, I'll have people say, hey, I can introduce you to this. Here's our fees. I'm like, no, 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 no. If I'm going to go to investors, they're investing in us because they see a potential high return and I don't have to pay to see those guys. It's an interesting space. Interest rates are hurting everybody, but I mean, this is old news, right? I raised money in, in COVID kind of at the heat of it, even though my investors like essentially vanished. It took a lot longer, but you just keep going, right? You just keep driving towards you and you find a way, persevere. You got to have grit and you go out there and you make it happen. So cool. I think that if that point you made about paying to pitch, I feel like that's a really powerful one. And that's not a perspective that we've heard on the show. And we do partner with a lot of incubators and accelerator programs programs that I would say are the good ones. I do also agree that there's a lot of people who want to ride on the coattails of an exciting environment right now. And it'd be a shame if great ideas die on the vine because they get caught up with the wrong mentors or they get caught up with the wrong groups. So again, to founders listening, saddle up with the ones who we featured on the show if you had to pick. Before we head off, Eric, I'd love to know what's on the roadmap for WorkWolf, what's up in the next year? Well, next year's growth year, right? So we've got, we hit product market fit, I'd say pretty early. We're expanding into enterprise now, going from kind of small, medium business. And we don't want to get too heavy in terms of, we ended up becoming an applicant tracking system for a couple of smaller companies. And we didn't want to take that route because we have really, really differentiable features to existing applicant tracking systems that are really heavy. We want to have powerful inputs that are something that can modify existing big systems and improve big systems. We don't want to become a big system. We want to stay lean and, and really impactful to people's businesses. I love it. Okay, perfect. So on that note, mm-hmm. how big is WorkWolf today? What's the team look like now? And are you planning to expand it within the next year? And what are your goals for that expansion? Yeah, sure. So we're just coming off of a round now. So we're expanding our sales function. We've got three new devs that we're hiring on, probably five salespeople. We've partnered with some some very strong strategic marketers. Right now, we're we're just over 10 people heavy on the dev side still. I think within the next year or so, we're going to be working on strategic partnerships and then really working on our integrations with applicant tracking systems and with multiple background checkers so that when it comes to enterprise, it doesn't matter which applicant tracking system or background checker they use, they can get the true value out of our product, being able to maintain their existing vendors that they use and just get the biggest bang for the buck out of what our tech can do for their hiring process. Awesome. Keeping it lean and keeping it effective. 